I'm ready to preach. Who's ready? Amen. We preached two weeks on We the Church. Tonight we're talking about something so cool. Uh, when we first started young, uh, youth ministry, uh, we did a series on um, Paul, and, and we called it Lessons from Paul. How many of you guys remember Lessons from Paul? Yeah, it's like it was so long ago. We revived the idea, we revived the series, but this time we're not talking about Paul. We're actually going to be talking about Judas. Somebody say Judas. Somebody say sinner. Somebody say bad guy. You see, you never rarely hear someone call their son Judas. Iscariot. He has a scary name. I'm talking about Judas tonight. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. How many of you guys are ready to learn? You see, in a kindergarten, when you walk in, what do they say? All right, guys, it's time to put on our thinking caps. Who remembers that? Here's the thing about the church. People come to church and they stop thinking. And they put on emotions. And they put on feelings. And everything God tries to put in your heart is filtered out through what you've already put in front of you. So tonight, man, can we think about what God wants to do? Can we watch and, 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 be, and be focused and laser beam focused on what God wants from us? Can we do that tonight? Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Let's talk a little bit about Judas. It says this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. Verse 15. He asked a question. He says, what are you willing to give me? If I deliver him over to you. Now, if you, re, if you know, if you've been in church for, for a little while, you kind of know how the story's about to go. When, when it says him, they're talking about Jesus. Judas is about to give Jesus over. Judas actually bargained with some high priests and said, listen, if you give me a certain amount of money, I can actually sell Jesus to you. I can trade. I can make a trade. You see, you got to understand Judas is one of the disciples. Now, remember that. That's important. That Judas is not this random dude on the street that sees Jesus, finds him, and says, yo, let me go rack this guy out just to make some bucks. Judas was walking and living with Jesus for three years. Now, that's a little scary. Why? Because if you know how the story goes, Judas ends up backstabbing Jesus. See, that's why Judas isn't talked about so much in church. And that's why Judas isn't so much celebrated. No one names their children after Judas. They name it after John. They name it after Peter, you know, Luke, Matthew, Paul. No one names their son after Judas. Why? Because we look at Judas and we say, he's the one that gave Jesus up. He's the one that sold our, our Jesus out. You got, you know, Thomas. I'll, I'll name my son Thomas, you know. Thomas can go, but he's a great guy. He may have doubts. I'll never name my son Judas because I don't want my son to give up Jesus. That's declaring that over him. How the story of Judas ends, we're going to finish it next week, is that Judas ends up running away and hanging himself. Like, it doesn't end well for Judas. And we look at Judas so many times, and we say, man, I'm never going to end up like that guy. But the truth is, is that what he deals with is what we deal with every single day. Let's focus on verse 15 for a moment. This is what he said. Judas asked to them, what are you willing to give me? Notice when Jesus fasted and he went into the desert, the first thing the enemy does to try to derail Jesus, to try to throw him off, to try to defeat him, he offers him the world. He offers him kingdoms. 
If you know the story, Jesus did not fall into temptation, but he held on to the word. Amen. But isn't that funny? That, 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 that Judas was in a place in his life where he had to make a decision. He had to say, am I going to go with the money or am I going to go with Jesus? And, and, and the truth is, the question and the challenge of Judas is the challenge of you and me every day. We need to stop. And, and usually the Bible is, is so much more than what you think it is. Like you see, you see loaves of bread and you see, you know, this, all these different types of literature in the Bible. You got to understand there's more to it. It's like Transformers. It's more than meets the eye, somebody. Come on. It's more to it. It's deeper than that. It is deeper than what you think it is. Judas wasn't just this dude that pops up out of nowhere in Scripture. Judas represents you and me every day. Am I going to wake up and am I going to walk to the world and say, what do you have to give me? I'll trade you something for Jesus. I'll trade you pleasure for Jesus. I'll take money for Jesus. I'll take girls for Jesus. I'll take drugs for Jesus. I'll take it. Every day we have the option to be Judas or to not be Judas. The question is, what would you give me? What would you give me? That's the question that Judas asked the high priest. He says, what would you give me? Meaning there's, there's Jesus and then there's something else. And the truth is that this isn't a Judas problem. It's a you problem. I remember I was talking to one of my friends. I had taken speech class, and I, I, was, I was already speaking for a while. So when I took my speech class at Valencia, um, any Valencians in the house? Amen. Everyone, please pray for us. We're on our way. Um, we're pushing forward, amen. We are a persecuted group. I'm, I'm kidding. Anyways, I took speech. I remember telling my friend, I was like, yo, I took speech, and it was kind of not fair because I, I speak every week. And I was like, I make, I make outlines every week. Like, I'm kind of ahead of the game. Like, not trying to boast or anything, but, like, I remember, like, my first time being asked to preach. I was literally, my legs were shaking, and I wrote down everything I was going to say in my message, like, Good morning, everyone. That was my first message. God bless you. My name is John, John, John Mejia. Just kidding. I'm not kidding. I actually did that. Anyways, after a while, I kept preaching. I got better. I got better. So I was like, man, speech cast is going to be cake. I remember my last speech, I had to do um, just uh, any topic. I remember doing a speech. I remember my, my professor at the end, he was just like, oh, my gosh. That had to be the darndest, best speech I heard in my career. I was like, oh, my goodness. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> he looked at me. It got so quiet. I remember telling my friend that. He was like, yo, you know what someone like you could be worth in the business world? Like someone like, like you know, because he, he's into business. He's, he has his own corporation. He's like, man, oh, my God. Someone who's willing to, like, you know, just talk right and, like, convince, mixed with just a little bit of passion. Like, you know, you got passion. Do you know, like, and I'm like. Oh, my God, that sounds right. And, 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 and why don't I go with that guy and start a business? Why don't I leave everything? Why don't I pack the Bible up, put the notes away, take the church and Jesus off, and walk to where there's money and promises? Because I'm not living off what's good or what is presented to me. I am making a decision. Is it going to be what I want or is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be money or is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be that girl or is it going to be Jesus? You put whatever you want here. You fill in the blank. Because every day we're faced with Judas's decision. What will you give me, pleasure? Or am I going to choose Jesus? What is it going to be? This isn't a Judas problem. It's a you problem. And this is the craziest part of Judas' story. Because Judas, it, it gets crazy. Let's, 
and I don't want to preach this part because this part is weird. And this is the part where people mix Hollywood and church. They mix Hollywood and, 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 and the conjuring with, like, demonic oppression. So when your pastor's talking about demons, you automatically think pitchfork. And, and Hollywood and the Western world has a big influence on how you see everything that's, that's, that's against God. Right? And, and let's look at Luke 22. Then Satan entered Judas. This is scandalous, right? Because automatically, what do you think, right? You, you think there's, there's, there's like a, a little silence in the room. A wind blown from the east. You hear a knock on the door. And then someone's head starts turning around like, oh, demonic oppression. It, it, what do you think when you think demons? You think campfires, pitchforks. Come on, the, the, the pointy hats. Right? And, and, and listen, it sounds funny. It sounds funny. But listen, Judas, listen, when the Bible says that the, Satan entered Judas, listen to me. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. Because when your friends answer you, ask you questions, you got to know what you're talking about. So, so the, the, the enemy, Satan, entered into Judas. And what you got to understand is that that moment of the enemy entering Judas, that wasn't just him overthrowing his will. Like, that's not biblical. Like, the enemy can't just overthrow your will. What happens is, is that Judas lived a life where every day he would begin to say no to Jesus and yes to whatever that thing was. Every single day. You think it's the big things that the enemy does? You think you just wake up a serial killer? It starts with one murder at a time. It starts with one bad decision at a time. It starts with one moment every single day of you walking away from Jesus and walking into something else. The enemy entered into Judas because Judas let him in. Judas let him in. And we can sometimes be oblivious to, to the things that we're opening up. Open doors, open doors where the enemy can just seep right in and influence you. He can influence you. He can influence you. Like, influence you. Like, your, your decisions. And you're thinking it's like this dude walking around vomiting. All no, no, like every day, like, look what happens. Next verse. One of the twelve, Judas filled with, this is verse, go, go to verse 3, the one before that one. It says, Satan answered Judas, right? That's, he's in him. He's, he's inside of him. Look what Judas does, verse 4. Judas gets up, he walks, demon possessed with the enemy, he walks to the chief priest, he walks to the officers, through the temple guard, right? He's walking through security. You know what I'm saying? He's walking up down the hallway. He went to them, and he discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. This dude is living a regular life. This dude is being influenced. And he's literally plotting how to give up Jesus. You see, Judas let Satan in through the everyday, ordinary things of life. Because it, it reveals in John chapter 12, verse 6. This is what it reveals. Scripture says, he did not say this, right? This is about Judas. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as keeper of the money back. He used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, it's not the dramatic things that open the door to the enemy. It's not the dramatic things. You see, no one, it's not, there's not this one moment in a couple's life that the husband, he, he just goes, he, you know, imagine like a, a, really good, a, a really good marriage, right? A husband and a wife, right? They go 40 years in marriage, man. Come on, that's the goal. They go 40 years in marriage. You know, they're, they're moving forward, moving strong. They're right there in the middle of their life, right? They keep going. They're pushing through. You know, they give one of these, hey, what's up, mama? Hey, hey. You know, old people dances. 
whatever couples getting jiggy, right? So imagine a couple so madly in love, right? An old couple just is 40 years in marriage, kicking it, and then one day, this awesome thing, this marriage that he believes in, that he's built, he goes to Walgreens one day, he sees a 20-something-year-old, he faints, he wakes up the next day, and he's like, that was adultery? I just cheated on my wife? It just, something just came over me? You see, that's not how adultery works. You see, adultery starts with the argument you had with your, your wife six months earlier. Adultery starts with the arguments. It starts with the small, you just the, 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 the corrosion of your marriage, right? The corrosion, the small breaking and tearing of your marriage. And then little by little, you start to drift apart. You're not active sexually. You're not touching each other. It's just you're just separated. Move away from me. You're arguing. Every time you're talking to her, he's talking to her. It's just a bad place, a bad thing. Then you begin to emotionally connect with somebody else on like a weird level. And you build it up. And then that turns to conversations and actions. And rarely does anyone ever slip up into adultery. But it's so much of a little thing built up over time. Listen, it is the same thing with the enemy. He does not just overthrow you. He doesn't just take your will by the hands and and force you to do weird things. But no, you've given him an open door. You've given him an opportunity. And isn't it funny that he was possessed in the thing that was the most struggle for him? The thing he did every day was the same avenue that the enemy used to destroy him and everybody around him. In the same place that he was placed in before everything had been happening. See, I think it's funny how Jesus knows all things. Jesus still puts Judas in charge of the money. Jesus knows all things. And Jesus still puts him in charge of the money. It's not funny? Come on. Judas sold Jesus out for money. Isn't this amazing? And I want to kind of switch the mood a little bit. Because Judas sold Jesus out for money. I think that's funny. I mean to rhyme. I think that's funny. You know, I think that's funny because money's not bad. How many guys know money's not bad? All right, how many of y'all really know money ain't bad? Money is a good thing. Come on, somebody. About right, it was a hundred dollars. Is that right? I don't know if it's that good. Money is a good thing. Amen. We believe in money as a church. We believe in giving, right? And isn't it funny how Judas he has he has a thing with money. He sells Jesus out for money. And, 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 and money in this situation is connected to the, the demonic activity from Judas. Isn't that wild? That something good, something agreed to be actually kind of awesome, right? If I give money to you, you don't feel bad about it, you feel good. But isn't it funny how the enemy uses money to break down Judas? How the enemy uses money to literally shut his calling down? You see, I don't think that, that Judas, oh, oh, look at him, demonically oppressed. Look at him, here he goes again, Just, you know, vomiting out the mouth. Look at him, his hair's all standing up. No, 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 you know what? Judas was walking around with three homes. Judas had some nice clothes on. Judas had the nice cologne on. Judas had the nice camel. Putting it into context. Judas was, he was kicking it. Man, you wouldn't think he was possessed because he's just so into something other than Jesus, you would have no idea. And Paul says in 1 Timothy, Chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Here's what's crazy. Judas sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. That's worth three months' wages. Judas sold Jesus so he won't go to work for three months. Isn't it wild that sometimes the things that we, oh, it's just, it's just, 
it's just that, it's just this, could literally end up you giving up the best thing that's ever happened to you. Jesus. Isn't it funny how something so small could seem so big in the heat of the moment? And we have Jesus as an option sometimes. And it's not what you think all the time. Here's what's crazy. It's good people and good things that can potentially derail your life. It's good people and it's good things, good teachings, good ideas, good concepts. Some things that are good can actually destroy your life. Because if it's not God, then what is it? If you love it and it's not God, then it's an idol that you place next to him. You put it next, your focus is derailed. So although it's meant to be good, it's not good. Now you have made it God. And that's why there's, there's a choice you need to make every day. Am I going to get paid? Am I going to tie to church or am I going to spend my money somewhere else? It's an action thing. Am I going to come this Friday or am I going to just stroll in whenever? Am I going to be on time? Am I going to give the best to God? Am I going to worship God? Am I going to give everything to worship? Or am I going to just hang out and have a social place on Friday? It's like, what do you want it to be? Because you can either be building what you think is Christianity or be building an honest and true relationship with God. That's all it is. And, and it's good things and good ideas and good concepts and good motivation and good intentions. Oh, God, but she knows my heart. It's good ideas that could potentially kill people. Let me tell you something. In 1986... In Cleveland, Ohio, there was, there was a charity, and, and the, the city of Cleveland said, we're going we're gonna to break a Guinness World Record for this charity, this children's charity. We're going to break a Guinness World Record. We're going we're gonna to release the most amount of, of balloons into the air at once. So they literally planned this event out. Oh, what a good idea. Oh, my God, balloons and babies. How better does it get, right? Like, come on. Like, huh? like that's what heaven's like, right? Balloons and babies. Make sure you sign up. What a great idea. Oh, my God. I would probably cry, honestly, to see all these children, right, from the charity just letting balloons go, like releasing hope. And I'm like, great idea, right? Well, here's what happened. Two days after the 1.5 million balloons went into the air, two days after the destruction began to rain on Cleveland, there's two guys fishing in a lake. The lake got covered in balloons. They literally died in that lake. Hundreds of animals died. In that week, destruction rained on the city of Cleveland. People sued the city. I, I wish I could talk to the people who had the idea. But we're talking about balloons and babies. I thought it was a great, it's a balloon and it's a baby. So yeah, it was good intentions. You had a good idea. It sounded good, but it's killing people. Man, money's great, but if you love it more than Jesus, it will lead you to life away from God. You think hell, you think you choose, you think God sent you to hell? No, you choose hell. Because you chose hell every single day of your life to live away from Jesus, to go with what you want. Do not be naive and assume that the things that are going to destroy you are the horns and the pitchforks, but it may even potentially be the good things. It's not everything you think it is. And this is what I want to keep talking about Judas. In John chapter 12, verse 6, he did not say this because. He, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money back. He used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, here's the thing. Jesus knows this. 
And, and, and this is something we need to know. We talked about it in our Passion Fruit Sermon series. We looked at the world and, and we looked at the church, right? So you have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. You, you see some parallels, right? You see some people who are amazing leaders in the church world. And then you have people who are amazing leaders in, in the real world, right? In, in, in the world uh, of, of kind of like just everything against God, right? So if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, automatically you kind of already disagree with people, right? Because everyone says everyone goes to heaven or hell doesn't exist or, or these things don't happen. And when you believe in Jesus, you automatically believe in what he spoke and what he said. And, and Jesus, and we're going to talk about it in the summer, um, Jesus speaks about hell. He teaches about hell. Hell's a real place. Hell exists. And it's not where God sends people. It's just the, uh, the effects and the consequences of choosing, not choosing Jesus, choosing something else. And I don't want to preach about that tonight. But we're going to keep moving on. So, 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 so Jesus knows this. He says, listen, you, you, have to, you have to learn how to replace something and not just remove something. You got to know how to replace something. In our Passion for Sermon series, we talked about passion. We looked at the world and we said, listen, we're not going to judge people for how they're living their life. We're not going to look at them and say, oh, look at those sinners doing what they're doing. Look at them. Because at the end of the day, they have been given passion by God. God has given them energy. God has given them passion. Is it in the wrong direction? Do I agree with everything they do? No. Is it in the wrong direction? Yes. But can I have the eyes of God for just in a moment see a terrorist and see kind of how God sees terrorists? Come on, to see someone who's killing people and to potentially see a Paul, right? To, to, to look at the broken people and potentially see people that are actually full and healed. Right, to see homeless people and to not see them where they're at, but to see them, come on, just as healthy people in society, making a difference. Man, we ought to look at the things of the world and not judge them, but to see the best in them and to see the passion in them and say, man, you're passionate for that, but God can use that. You're passionate for makeup, but God can use that for the ministry. You're passionate for raising money, but God can use you to raise disciples. You're passionate for all these things, but God can use that too. So we're not judging people. We're just looking at what they've placed as God in their life. And we're saying, listen, Jesus is much better. Whatever they've placed up as their number one. As a church, we do not send people to hell. We point people to Jesus. Listen, we don't love God because we're afraid of hell. We love God because he is awesome and worthy to be loved for what he's done for us. So, so, so you have this idea that, 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 man, I got to remove whatever it is that I'm loving. Listen, don't remove it. You got to replace it. The only way to be the thing is to replace the thing. Okay, maybe it's money. Remove it. Put Jesus. Okay, maybe it's acceptance from others. Remove it. Put Jesus as Lord. Maybe it's, it's whatever that thing is. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to pray about it and repent about it tonight. Because that very thing that the enemy knows that you keep slipping into could potentially lead to a derail in your life. But the question is, see, where does Judas fall? You see, he, every day, he looked at the money, and he looked at Jesus for three years. Every day, and I'm right on time. Every day, he looked at the money, and he looked at Jesus. Where did he go wrong? It says in Matthew 26, let's read together. It's a little bit of some long passages. We're going from 18 to 25. It says, he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did just as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. 
right? So they're about to have a party. Just know that your Jesus really loves to party. Verse 20, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12, right? So he's hanging out with his homies, right? They got a little bit of wine. They got a little bit of crackers. It's a good time. Verse 21, and while they were eating, Jesus just flips the mood, right? He's, he's awesome. He's like, hey, listen, one of y'all going to backstab me. Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. That's a crazy moment because you were the closest dudes you've ever been close to in your life. Like Jesus started something three years ago, and they have all been there. Like they're with you. And, and this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, I'll tell you right now, one of you guys is going to fail me. As you guys know, Judas, the dude we've been talking about all night, he's the dude that's going to betray Jesus. And he's at the table, by the way. And Jesus still invited him, by the way. You see, we're too easy, we're, we're too quick to cut people off just because they fail us. When Jesus says, listen, I eat with my betrayers. 22, they were sad, right? Man, one of us going to fail him. I love this. Surely you don't mean me, Lord, right? So this is what happens. They all go up. They go, is it, is it I, Lord, that's going to fail you? Jesus is like, nah, Thomas, you're good. The next guy's like, Lord, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Jesus is like, no, it's not you. Every disciple, is it me, Lord? Lord, is it me? Am I gonna, am I, is it me, Lord? Lord, is it me? Uh, Lord, is it me? Right? They all go, no, it's not you. No, it's not you. Notice what Judas says. Verse 25. Jesus replied, the one who had dipped his hand into the bowl will betray me. Meaning the guy who's been stealing these last three years. Verse 24, the son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays me, the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not even been born. In other words, what's coming to Judas, he's going to a place where he wished he had never been born. Jesus, again, is referencing hell. Now, listen to me. Hell isn't something that should discourage us. If all that qualifies us exempt from hell as a personal relationship with Jesus, we should all be encouraged. If it's all about love, we should be encouraged. Thank God it's not about performance. Thank God it's not about perfection. All Jesus says is love me and you avoid this place. And we're talking about that in the summer. We're calling it hot as hell. Surely, surely you don't mean, don't miss it, verse 24, Son of man will go, is written about him, verse 25. Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, the one who would, what does he say? Sure, you don't mean me, rabbi. Wait a minute, what's, what's, that, what's that weird word? I don't understand it. See, rabbi in this context means teacher. Rabbi in this scenario means, 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 means philosopher. Teacher. In other words, what, what, what? What Judas went wrong with is that he saw God not as Lord, but as teacher. As God with good concepts and mind and good thinking. He didn't see Jesus as Lord. He saw Jesus as just merely a friend. He saw Jesus as this good guy who lived a great life and did miracles. And maybe if I come this Sunday, I might feel him. Maybe if I, if I read more, I could probably know how to do the mumbo-jumbo stuff. How, how do I get to heaven? How do, how do I get to a place where I will ever have to suffer? Man, maybe it's through this guy who says he's God. Let me try him out. Let me try coming to church on Fridays. Let me join this church to learn more about this dude named Jesus. You see, those are all concepts. And, and that's the way you live when you see Jesus only as rabbi. But, man, there's a difference between seeing God as rabbi and seeing Jesus as Lord. 
You see, being Lord means you own everything. Take it. It's yours. My finances, you are Lord over my finances. You're not giving me these good ideas to be a better entrepreneur. Lord, you're giving me good things to live by so that you can bless it, so that you can multiply it, so that you can bring fruit in my life. You can have Jesus as your rabbi. As your rabbi. Ribeye steak, man. As, you can have Jesus as some raspberry tea, man, I'll tell you. You can have, I'm seeing you for here, so you stay with me. You can have Jesus as raspberry, raspberry, <laughs> raspberry tea. I think if I say it, it'll stop happening. You can have Jesus as a rabbi all of your life, there we go, and not be a Christian. You can have God as, as teacher all your life and not be a Christian. Wouldn't that suck that you go through the things that Christians go through, but you don't actually know God? Like, you're just against culture for no reason. You're, you're literally just going against people for no reason because you don't even really know him. And, and you sing songs about him and you read about him, but it's like, do you act like, like if, you really, if it was really all about an authentic relationship with Jesus, would we still pray the same way? Oh, God, oh, Father of heaven and in the kingdom of kingdoms and in the pillars and scrolls, Lord, are you here? That's not how we pray. How do you love your mom? I love her a lot, but how do you talk to your mom? Mom, I miss you like crazy. You know, how, you know how I want to teach you to pray? Cry and pray and get mad at God. Have a conversation with God. Get, get on his nerves. Like, like question God. Like, God, why would you do that? Why would you allow that to happen? How are you working? I don't know how you're working, but I trust you because you're not just a teacher. I don't get to quit. I don't get to leave class. You are Lord of all, and I'm following you. What do you want from me? Because you're Lord of everything. When we get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, how much do you know? You're only going to come in if you know this much Bible. You can have Jesus all your life and not be a Christian. But, man, shouldn't we be encouraged? Shouldn't we be super excited? Shouldn't the church be vigilant? Shouldn't, sh- shouldn't we just grow this family all the time? Like, like, shouldn't we just invite people to church like crazy if it's all about learning how to love Jesus? How do I worship God, man? You should learn how to love Jesus first. Because if you love Jesus, he'll show you how he wants to be loved. How should I pray? Man, love Jesus. Because he'll walk you in the way of prayer. How should I serve the church? Man, love Jesus. And you won't be such a bad neighbor. You won't be such a bad volunteer if you serve. If you're trying to learn how to be a good church member through rules and lists, you're missing out on growth. That's why people don't grow in church because they don't grow in Jesus. You see, you can grow in systems. But if you have a bad personality, you won't progress in the things of God. You can have really good systems down. You can have everything technical to know about ministry and life, but it's until you understand and let Jesus in that you begin to grow. You begin to see God do amazing things. Every head bow, every close in this room. Every head bow. Every eye close. I guess I have to start doing like tongue twisters before I preach. You see, it's like, it's so, like people really try to make this thing not seem black or white. Man, it's so black and white. I'm not talking about how to be accepted by God. I'm talking about how to make it to he- how to love God. It's, it's not so black and white, but man, is he, I think it really is black and white. I think it really is. Come on, worship team. I really think it, I think it really is Jesus or, or nothing at all. I really think it is making a choice to say, God, you're Lord, or you're just going to be my friend. 
I think it takes another step in us to say, God, you're going to be Lord over my life instead of God. You're just going to be this good idea for me. I'm just going to come to church and just learn how to be a better person instead of I'm going to come to church and learn how to love Jesus more. I'm going to come to church and learn how to do this, and, and hopefully this affects me in my life, and hopefully I start to, to, to act a certain way. And, and listen, God does not want you to perform. He wants you to be honest with him. He wants relationship with him. If I lead you to anything, man, I'd rather raise up a body of believers that understand that this is all about love. And nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. See, in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I want to give our friends some moments in this moment. All over this place, we have, we have some young adults in here that want to make a decision to follow Jesus and say yes. And make the final step and choose it. See, right now, if you want to make that choice on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. You want to be raised from the dead. You want to say yes to Jesus. You want to get saved. You want to make that prayer. You want to choose him once and for all. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Hands up. You want to get saved. Amen. Amen. Church, if you could just look at me for a moment. We're going to pray. You see, the question is, what is it going to be? Is it going to be that or is it going to be Jesus? It's, it's a fork in the road. And listen to me. It's so easy to talk about your struggle outside your struggle. It's so easy to just talk about it, to point about it, to tweet about it, to show it. Man, it's so hard to actually confront it and say, listen, I'm tired of choosing you. I'm tired of letting the enemy into my life. I'm tired of being someone who is believing something and walking a different direction. Lord, I'm going to choose you once and for all. It's all about love. This whole thing is weighed and it's, and it's put together and founded by love. Just loving Jesus. That's, that's, that's all I want to send. That's the message I want to send. I, I don't want to be known as the guy that, that this, had all this passion and screamed a lot for 30 minutes every week. No, I want to be known as the guy that loved Jesus. I want to be known as, as the guy that just submitted himself to Jesus. I want to be a testimony that if you would just give yourself completely to God, really, really anything can happen. I want to be known as that. I want to, be good. I want to go down, not as someone who doubted God, but trusted him because he said something and he will complete it. And I will go down as someone not only concerned about worship, not only concerned about spiritual gifts, not only concerned about miracles and signs and wonders, not only concerned about anything else other than loving Jesus. I want to be known as a young adult that loves Jesus, that fights for Jesus. You see my Instagram? I want you to see Jesus because I love him. You see my life? I want you to see Jesus because he's everything to me. You see my calendar? Oh yeah, it has Jesus written all over it. Want to see my relationships? All we do is talk about Jesus. All I do is think of Jesus. You want to see my prayer request? Lord, I need more of you. I need more of your love. I need more direction. Oh, you want to see my bank account? Look, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I give to him because I love him. Not to perform. Not to look a certain way. I give because I love him. I live because he's my Lord. He's my Lord. 
I want to be known by someone who is so in love with Jesus. That's all that really matters, right? That's all it's about. You see, it's so simple. We make Christianity so complicated. Right? You got to do this. You got to look like this. Listen, you just got to love Jesus. Love Jesus enough to let him in. Come on, to really change you. To really mold you. To shape you. It's all about Jesus. You see, if I don't point you to Jesus, I'm failing you. 